Welcome to the Res Life Podcast with Dr. Chris Riley and Dr. Alex Schuper, the medical podcast for those at any stage in the medical field, from pre-med students through attending physicians and anyone else who wants to learn more about the field of medicine. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this video to provide feedback on medical topics you would like to learn more about. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Res Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Riley. We got Dr. Schuper just got out of a case. We're trying to get a, a quick episode in, in between cases right now. I have off today. Uh, I have my ITE coming up, my in-training exam, so I'm home studying right now, and Dr. Schuper is opening up people's skulls. So, Dr. Schuper, what's going on? How you doing? Not much. Doing well. Uh, enjoying my Monday. Was opening up some spines this morning. So, uh, oh, sorry, Taking spines. a little break, and it's okay. We, we do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, all is good. Getting ready for your exam? Yeah, uh, it's on Thursday. Um, I got a couple night shifts uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then my exam's at like 7 on Thursday, so hopefully I get some sleep uh, the night before. Um, but yeah, it oh, should good be luck. good. I'm sure you'll do great. Thanks, buddy. Um, so again, you know, we're doing the So You Want to Be... Um, series right now and Dr. Schuper is going to interview me in terms of emergency medicine, you know, what you should be doing in as a pre-med, what you should be doing as a medical student, etc., cetera, um, all the way to the match. Um, and we're exactly. actually going to do, we're going to do a rank list program, uh, like a rank list um, podcast uh, sooner or later um, because we know that match day is coming up, which is kind of crazy so um yeah so dr schuper go ahead and fire away this is chris's turn dr riley's turn to be on the hot seat last episode if you guys listened in it was my turn we asked all about neurosurgery why i went into it kind of how to prepare your application to become a neurosurgeon and so now we're going to flip the script and talk to dr riley about what really gets uh, gets a strong applicant's emergency medicine and how to succeed in the field so why don't you just give us some background, Dr. Riley? What what drew you to the field? What kind of set emergency medicine apart for you? And what was it that you thought made emergency medicine how you wanted to direct your career in medicine? Yeah, so my first exposure to emergency medicine was when I was a scribe in uh, Trenton, New Jersey. I was a scribe for one of my gap years. Um, and as we talked about earlier, uh, when you have gap years, just make sure you do something worthwhile, something that's going to get you experience and clinical, you know, knowledge. Um, and that was just a fantastic way to do that. And during my time in Trenton, uh, I met some amazing docs, uh, some amazing personalities, and I saw a lot of different things. And I thought that was really cool that you can go from, you know, uh, an OBGYN emergency and then to a trauma, you know, the next patient over. So I always thought that that was really cool. Uh, the personalities really drew me towards it. And at the time, I didn't really, you know, know I was going to be going for emergency medicine, but it was definitely in the back of my mind. Um, and then when I started medical school, uh, I joined uh, emergency medicine interest club, which I'm sure, you know, every medical school should have. Uh, and it, it was a good, it was a good way to talk to some of the older med students who have a little bit more experience and know a little bit more uh, about some of these organizations that you can join like EMRA, ASEP, uh, the AAEM, SAEM, all these different organizations. 
Uh, and it's also a good way to have, you know, you'll have guest speakers come in who are current emergency medicine docs. And it's just a good way to gauge things and, and see if this is actually the right kind of field for you. Um, but the one piece of advice I was given before starting med school, because specifically I was a scribe in the emergency department, was from one of the ER docs I worked with. Uh, and they said, you know, you love emergency medicine now because it's the only thing you've been exposed to, right? So make sure you keep an open mind when you go into clinicals. So, you know, first and second year is all about preclinicals and making sure that you do the best you possibly can, you know, GPA-wise and step one-wise. Then you get to your clinical rotations and you do every single specialty. And how I did that was I kept an open mind. I tried to see if I could put myself in the shoes of that specialty or that resident that we were working with and really tried to um, understand exactly what they went through on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and to be honest, that made me enjoy those rotations that much more. And I could, at the end of each rotation, I told myself, you know, I, I really could see myself doing this. Like, you know, this is really cool. They have some awesome things in their, uh, in their residency. Um, and then my last rotation was emergency medicine. And that was the one where I was like, all right, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do because it's a combination of everything. And, um, I'm really glad I kept an open mind going into my clinicals. I think that was super important. Um, and obviously before clinicals third year, I got involved in EMRA and ASEP and joining all these different organizations, trying to get involved in their projects with their podcasts. I would edit their podcasts. I, uh, I did a leadership Academy at EMRA. Um, and those were fantastic experiences, uh, an amazing way to uh, network especially for someone like myself going for a more competitive specialty from a Caribbean school. And, um, you know, bottom line is you have to kill your boards if you're coming from a Caribbean school. And even DO schools now, a lot of them are, are having difficulties matching into emergency medicine with killer board scores. So it's just getting more and more difficult. Um, it's starting to get saturated a little bit too. So, you know, we're, we're really interested, or I'm really interested in where emergency medicine is going, but for now, uh, things are looking good, so. That's great, I think that was a great answer. You brought up some really great points. Uh, I think one big takeaway, especially for the pre-med and med students out there, is to not pigeonhole yourself too early when you establish your career that you might think you wanna do something else, but until you really step in those shoes and go on that rotation and really experience it firsthand, it's really hard to definitively say. Um, so I, I think that was a really great point and a lot of takeaway, you know, a big takeaway that uh, a lot of people should, should really take advantage of. Now, one thing, at least at least me personally, that I didn't really appreciate about emergency medicine until I became a medical student was just the how vast the specialty is, that there are a lot of subspecialties. For example, uh, hyperbarics, uh, wilderness medicine, ultrasounds. These are all different subspecialties of EM. Can you talk a little bit about that, Dr. Riley? And and just, you know, what you can do with emergency medicine specialty? So uh, a good way to get exposed to all these different subspecialties or fellowships, because EM has their own fellowship uh, match. Of course they do, because, you know, we're just, it seems like we're just the outlier for all of medicine, you know. Um, so a good way to get more information on that stuff is joining EMRA, and EMRA has all of these um, 
these different uh, interest groups that you can join. Like Dr. Schuper was saying, you have wilderness medicine, um, you have ultrasound, which, you know, I, at my program, we have two ultrasound fellowship trained ER docs, and they're just like gurus. They can do the, you know, complete echo with the MAPSI, the TAPSI, all these crazy measurements and, um, you know, really, really cool stuff with the ultrasound machine. And that's the way of the future, uh, to be completely honest. I mean, it's going to replace the stethoscope. We already see the handheld, um, uh, you know, like the butterfly ultrasound machines. We see that everywhere now. And that's just going to become more and more prevalent as technology gets better. Um, but yeah, just going back to all the different specialties like hyperbarics, we actually just got a new core faculty member who's trained in hyperbarics, which is really interesting. Um, you know, you could even go into like administrative stuff. Like if you're not trying to practice your entire life or you're trying to do an administrative route and get involved in hospital leadership, that's also, uh, also an option, uh, simulation. Um, there's, there's all sorts of, uh, amazing, amazing opportunities after to do fellowship. Um, but going back to something we just talked about earlier with Dr. Schuper and, you know, paying attention to everything that goes on in your rotation that you're in. I remember Dr. Schuper was telling me he had a couple medical students rotating with him that really were kind of slackers. Um, and they were really trying to take it easy and not, you know, even not even putting in the bare minimum. And I think a big reason for that is they're like, oh, this isn't going to be my specialty. Like, I don't care. But at the same time, guys, like you can't do that because this is your time to get, you know, the exposure to this specialty. And maybe in your brain beforehand, you're like, oh, you know, I'm never going to do this specialty. But if you give it a chance, maybe you will like the specialty. And I think that's really important, keeping that open mind and, and really giving it your all on each rotation because you only do it once. That's it. Uh, unless you want to do it fourth year. Um, but just to, just to harp on that. As we were talking about earlier, no, that's a great point. And even you know, I remember during my OBGYN rotations, the third year, I knew I was never going to OBGYN, but still, it's like, when will I ever have a chance to catch a baby or do a C-section? Never. So you might as well take advantage, and enjoy the opportunity, uh, especially with something like emergency medicine or neurosurgery. These are very niche specialties. If you're not going into them, you're never going to be in that realm again. So I can't echo that enough. It's so important. It really enriches your medical school experience, but. Uh, Back to EM. So you spoke a little bit about kind of your path and how you got there. If maybe not, if you could change one thing, but looking back at people who are not as far down the line as you are, who might want, who at least have a remote interest in emergency medicine, what advice would you give them? You know, how could they prepare their applications uh, in college, applying to medical school, to really direct themselves toward a, a potential career in emergency medicine? You know, EM, as we've talked about before on the show, it's really not research heavy. Um, they've really started to go more into research. Uh, the Annals of Emergency Medicine is actually becoming a more and more reputable journal in medical journals. Um, but again, like, you know, there's not much bench work or clinical research for that. In terms of pre-meds, I would get involved in scribing. I would try to volunteer in your local emergency department, whether it's being a tech um, or, you know, a transporter or one of these people that work in the ER, uh, just a good way to get some exposure to the emergency department. 
Um, for the for the medical students, I would again just say get involved in these organizations. Um, the earlier the better, because these are ways to network and these are ways to get people to recognize your name. These are ways to just make connections and, and figure out which type of people you would want to be with in residency. Because programs choose people based on their personality at the end of the day. Once you get the interview, the ranking and all of that has to do with 100% how the interview goes or, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Me personally, I did everything I possibly could have to match into emergency medicine. Um, I, you know, did really well my first two years. Did well on step one, step two, got high honors on the on all my clinicals and, you know, worked with EMRA, did all that stuff and tried to network as much as I could to get my name out there. The one thing I would suggest, though, if you did a rotation, uh, like an audition rotation for EM and got a slow from a place and you really thought it went well and you vibed with everyone there. I would highly suggest ranking them at the top of your list if you're coming from a DO program or a Caribbean school. The reason why is because I had some very high, um, like high profile academic centers that I got interviews at. And I, of course, was like, oh my God, like I have to rank them in my top, you know, three or four or whatever. And I ended up, you know, not matching at any of them. And I think a big reason for that was the Caribbean bias um, because, you know, they ranked me, but not in their top whatever that they're going to fill regardless. Right. So if I were to go back and do it again, I would focus more on programs in your home state that, you know, and they know you really well. Maybe you rotated there. You know, you killed that rotation. You got a good slow from them. Those are the people that you should focus on. I'm very happy with where I matched right now. Um, again, Tampa Bay is an incredible area. And I have, you know, when I moved down here, I had no friends or family in the area. So I was really bummed. Um, but I love my residency class. I love my core faculty. And Tampa is an ama amazing city to be in, especially right now with, you know, Super Bowl champs, uh, Stanley Cup champs, World Series, you know, team this past year. It's kind of nuts. Um, so I believe everything happens for a reason and the match works out the way it works out for a reason. You end up where you're supposed to be for a reason. Um, so I wouldn't say there's anything really I would change. I probably at the end of the day, like nine times out of 10, I would have submitted the same rank list that I did. But, you know, some people say it's, you know, you, you can fool the algorithm, but to be completely honest, I really don't think you can. Uh, I know we've talked about the number one bullet a lot, and that one weighs a ton. So, guys, when you're making that decision, you know, it, it's it's a tough decision to make, but take a lot of time to, uh, to, you know, put every ounce of knowledge you have about each program into that one decision. I think that's a great point. I'm not sure how it is in other specialties, but I heard a number uh, in neurosurgery that 60% of applicants match to either their home program or a program they rotated at. And, you know, again, I don't have any data on other specialties, but I think to, to Dr. Riley's point is that familiarity is key. And 
it, you have to remember, guys, it's a huge gamble for program directors to take you. And there's a lot of unknowns, right? Even if you rotate at a place, no one knows where you're going to be like as a resident. No one knows what you're going to be like when you're 100 hours into your work week. So, you know, they like as sure of a thing as they can get. And so that's why a lot of people often stay at their home program or at a program that they rotate at because those places know you a little bit better than someone they just met on an interview day. So I think that's a great point that if you have a real, especially if you have a good experience, obviously if you don't have a good experience on a rotation, you shouldn't rank that place highly if you don't want to be there. But assuming you have a good experience, you did well there, you have good feelings with the, the culture of the program, by all means, don't be scared to, to rank it pretty highly because there's probably a very good chance that assuming you do well, that they're going to consider you very highly as well. Yeah. Um, and a little word of caution though, the, the whole like audition rotations for EM at least, if you have one bad interaction with someone that could ruin your whole audition rotation. Because if you have a bad enough interaction with someone who is determined enough to be, you know, go to the medical clerkship director and be like, Hey, or, you know, med student clerkship director, Hey, this kid, like you should not rank him like that yeah. one comment. That's can, it. You're done. Can, can uh, cut you off. We've seen that this year in our application cycle. Um, there was someone who our program director liked and one of our, just one of our 14 residents was like, I had this interaction, not a fan. And that's it. Blackballed, not even ranked. So that's all it takes. Oh yeah. Well, especially nurse surgery because we're so like, we're with each other for seven years. So we, you know, seven years is the average length of a marriage in this country. So, you know, you, you, it's true, unfortunately. Um, so you, you have to like the people you're with. So for us, cult, culture is huge, and we have to get along with each other. Um, but you brought up a, a great point, Dr. Riley, that I just want you to talk a little bit more about. You mentioned the slows. I actually think, emer to emergency medicine's credit, they've done a better job with residency applications and, and the match process than I feel like most, uh, most other specialties have. That now it seems like more specialties are moving toward this standardized evaluation system. Can you talk a little bit about what SLOW is and, and how you should go about applying to emergency medicine knowing that this is the process? I mean, this year the SLOW was completely different because you're only allowed to rotate so many times because of COVID. Um, but in the past, SLOW is a standardized letter of evaluation and every emergency medicine program um, has access to these forms. And it's it's basically uh, an evaluation of you on like a numbered system. So they will say on the form, like this student ranked in our top 10% of medical students that rotated with, or this student ranked in our bottom 10% of the medical students we rotated with. So it's an opportunity for them to look at your academics. Maybe you took a shelf exam and you did really well on it. Um, maybe you did a, an academic presentation during their academic day and they really liked it. You know, maybe you just never had any uh, unprofessional interactions. Everybody got along with you. Those things are all noted, especially the professionalism and uh, interpersonal relationships. So important in emergency medicine. Um, you need to keep a cool head and you need to be friendly and introduce yourself to everyone. Um, it, it goes a long way, guys, especially with the slows. Um, you know, there's only so much objective data that you can provide these, uh, these programs. And I believe these 
slows are a an incredible way to objectify who you are as an applicant on that rotation. Uh, like Dr. Schubert was saying, I, I think emergency medicine is the first one to do this kind of standardized letter of evaluation instead of a letter of recommendation. So in the past, it's recommended you get two slows and a, uh, you know, you have four slots for letters, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So the other two could just be re regular letters of recommendation from different other different specialties or maybe an EM doc you used to scribe for. Um, you know, some kids would try to get three slows, but every program says two slows is enough. And you need them in by, I, I believe, the beginning of October, typically. Um, this year, though, it was weird because of COVID. So typically you're only... This year, you were only allowed to do one rotation, I believe, uh, one away rotation. You can do your home rotation, uh, but a lot of students struggle to get more than one or even one. So that slow is is gold, basically, for you for this uh, for this cycle. But they gave you the opportunity to do this other standardized letter, um, which is the standardized letter of. Uh, recommendation which is basically a letter of recommendation in this standardized format so you could go to a, a different doc that maybe you scribed for in the emergency department or you could go to a doc you rotated with in neurosurgery um, and have them fill out this form obviously you waive your right to see the form you're not going to read it but that's what they did this year I'm not sure if they're going to continue that in the, in the uh, upcoming years but it seems like with COVID, things are going to be a little shaky, even probably till next year. So they may just keep it around. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting that they started doing that. But it makes sense because the slow is working. Um, for yeah, the it seems ER like docs. a really good system. And again, it seems like other specialties are going to emulate it. So yeah, really? and the, uh, the biggest thing with the slow <laughs> is that out of all the program directors, like on a national survey in EM, they all said the slow was the number one um, factor for ranking applicants um, and and granting interviews. That that's how important that slow is. It's literally like EM gold. So wow, interesting. Well, we only have a couple more minutes, so me to finish off. You know, we'll see if we can get one or two more questions in. Uh, one of the last questions for the hot seat: best and worst parts of emergency medicine, either as a resident or as a career. Best is that every day you go in, there's something like it's never a dull moment. There's always new, uh, different types of pathology you're seeing. Um, you know, like one day you'll see a bunch of trauma, the next day you'll see a bunch of OB cases, the next day you'll see, you know, some crazy pediatric rash. Um, you see peds, you see geriatric, you see regular. It's it's exciting. Um, and you do see a lot of undifferentiated patients that have no like information available they show up they're altered you don't know what's going on oh this patient's a hodgkin lymphoma patient um you know they're altered now that's all the information we have i'm like okay great so let's just throw all the labs at you and uh ct and you know everything we do in em uh stabilize and go on the way so those are probably my favorite things along with personalities in the emergency department some of my least favorite things are where emergency medicine is going, which is more metrics-based, metrics-driven. Uh, how long did it take you to see the patient? How long did it take you to put labs in first? Is the patient happy? 
patient satisfaction scores, uh, press gainy scores, all these things that are just like, it's not medicine. It's now um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of hedge funds are actually getting involved with hospital organizations and they're really pushing this on emergency medicine docs. Uh, they're slowly pulling staff. Um, so it's getting harder and harder to be an EM doc. And with residents now coming out of residency, looking for anything they can in terms of jobs, a lot of these companies are really bringing the, the salary per hour down. And these residents are taking them over the, you know, the older docs that are like, oh, I'm not taking that. That's like, you know, half of what I make now. So it's, it's going to a place which is kind of scary, but also I feel like we have great organizations like SAEM and ASEP, which are lobbying very hard for emergency medicine physicians. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, obviously we went into EM for a reason, which was all the things I talked about earlier. But this second thing is it can, it can lead to burnout. Um, and that's a huge part of the burnout is this metrics based, uh, thing. And even right now as a first year resident, I'm experiencing metrics stuff, which is good because it gets me, you know, ready for it in the future. Um, but it is kind of annoying when you're trying to learn emergency medicine and you're worried about like, you know, door to greet time and, uh, you know, labs put in like lab orders put in and meds or pain med orders put in. So There's a lot of stuff that, you know, is cumbersome, but overall, I'm very happy with the specialty I chose. Um, Absolutely love emergency medicine, and uh, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the more versatile specialties, again, like Dr. Riley said. You never know what you're going to see coming through the door next, which is a good thing. could be a bad thing. It could be a crazy trauma or some wild infection. Or a nurse surgery case, you never know. Uh, last rapid fire question: uh, favorite diagnosis to make in the ED? Oh man, favorite since, since you guys see it all, yeah. You had to pick one. Man, no one said the hot seat's easy. I know, I know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I would think PE because it can present in so many different ways. Um, when you get that CAT scan and you're like, whoa, there it is, there it is. It's exciting because it you're is. like, you know, it's on the differential, but maybe it's like a presentation that you're like, oh, you know. Or patient. because you're an ultrasound guru, you see that right Boom. heart strain. Exactly. Done. There you go. Exactly. You can even see the clock, maybe. You get that D sign. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Um, I like it. P, good yeah. answer. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I was. I just wanted to say, if, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions or anything, just reach out to um, our email, which is on the podcast page, which is reslifepodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you guys want to do uh, like a Instagram live with Dr. Schuper and I, where we talk about our different specialties and maybe do a Q&A, I think that'd be, uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. And I hope you guys found it helpful. I know there's probably a lot we didn't touch on, but we were limited for time today because Dr. Schuper's got to go back uh, and round on his patients. Uh, um, I know. Which is Gotta give him a lot of attention. But also going off what Dr. Riley said, guys, if there are other specialties in particular that you're interested, that you want to do this hot fire uh, or hot seat rapid fire question series with, 
feel free message us on Instagram, email us. We have some other special specialties lined up, but again, this is for you guys. So there's a certain specialty you want to hear. You want to learn what it's like to be a pathologist, to be a plastic surgeon, anything in between, just let us know. And we'll, we'll find someone uh, from that specialty. We know people in every single specialty. So let us know what you guys want to listen to. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Riley. This was, this is awesome. I think we all learned a ton about EM. Hey, thanks, Dr. Schuper, for uh, taking a little time out of your out of your busy schedule. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.